What are the 12 steps of healing care? And how can nurses move from fight, flight, and freeze back to flow? Let's talk all about trauma-free nursing with nurse trauma expert, Kathy Allen, right here on episode 328 of The Nurse Keith Show. Hey there, this is Nurse Keith. This podcast is, of course, all about you, your personal and professional development, your career, and the healthcare system as a whole. And I'm here to share education, ideas, diatribes, and informative interviews with some of the most inspiring people from the worlds of healthcare, nursing, entrepreneurship, medicine, and beyond. I love having you along for the ride, and I thank you from the bottom of my nurse podcaster's heart for being a part of the growing Nurse Keith Nation. And here's a very special request from Nurse Keith. If you find value in this podcast, please consider becoming a valued patron over at patreon.com. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash Nurse Keith. You know, creating, gosh, now almost 350 podcast episodes incurs a lot of costs and your support means so much. Right now in 2021, I'm asking for 100 regular listeners to pledge $2 per month for a year. It's less than the cost of buying me a cup of coffee, and you can rest assured that the show contains no caffeine or sugar, no empty calories, just lots of audio awesomeness for you. You can always pledge more and get some cool premiums and prizes from yours truly, but $2 a month for a year would be awesome. So head over to patreon.com forward slash nurse Keith to sign up and show your support. The show notes for this episode that you're going to want to check out are at nursekeith.com forward slash episode 328. So, Kathy, it's great to have you here and we'll get to your stellar history and all the amazing things you've done and what an amazing person you are. But the first thing I want to ask you is, why is trauma so pervasive in nurses' professional lives? What is going on? Well, that's a very good question, Keith. And the situation in the working environment for nurses has really changed over the last maybe 20 or 30 years. It's gotten progressively more traumatic, especially, you know, a lot of people are talking about the for-profit healthcare system that the hospitals do not get reimbursed for actual nursing care. They get reimbursed from insurance companies for things like tests and lab tests. Um, at, but not for nursing care. And so what they do is they cut back on the amount of nurses that they have taking care of patients, which means nurses are working much harder. They're caring, taking care of more patients and what they feel comfortable doing and what they feel is safe. And this causes a lot of anxiety because the nurses on the unit the big concern is, oh, my gosh, I hope I don't make a mistake. I hope I don't harm somebody. And uh, that's a huge, huge concern. So I think that's ba basically uh, the short-staffed uh, problem is what's causing so much more trauma for nurses today. Mm -hmm. And based on your history as a holistic nurse and all the work you've done around trauma over the decades and your expertise and, and all the things that we'll hopefully get to in the course of this conversation, um, I imagine you've felt a great deal of dismay watching what's been happening to nurses in the last 
16 or 17 months over the course of the pandemic. So how what has been going through your mind <laughs> since say, March of 2020? Well, there's two things that have been going through my mind. One is mm-hmm. to realize how much worse things got for nurses during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And the betrayal that may have been hidden in the past became out in the open when the industry did not provide adequate PPE for their nurses. That is such a betrayal. And so it, what that did is it of course, increased the traumatization of nurses, but it exposed the system. And that's a good thing. It's a good thing now for more people to be aware of how this system does not um, value nurses. But the, 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 Uh, If you follow that line of thinking that nurses are not being valued, that they're overworked, then you've also got to think about what's happening to patients. A patient who has an overworked, exhausted, burned out nurse taking care of them. Very, very dangerous for patients. Mm. So that's part of my um, motivation to help nurses become trauma-free and to help the system become trauma-free. Wow. And your website is traumafreenursing.com. So you're, this is really your focus at this point in your career after having been a nurse for how many years now? <laughs> oh, you laugh. <laughs> Over 50 years. And Over when 50 I, years. Yeah. Wow. And when I, in the early years, we all, all of us nurses knew that we are job was to work ourselves out of a job, to do such good care that our patients wouldn't need us anymore, that they would have healing. And in today's world, it's a system that keeps patients coming back um, and not giving as good of care as what we really want to give. So true. And I'm sure there's many nurses listening now just nodding their heads or shaking their heads, depending how they're feeling. Um, But hearing what you're saying and being like, yep, you're speaking my language. You're speaking my experience. And you're, you've done trauma studies, including you've been to the Somatic Experiencing Trauma Institute, where you've been an assistant in their practitioner training program. You've done so much other work. You were a board certified holistic nurse. You've been an instructor for the Healing Touch program. A lot of work you've done with patients and nurses over the years. I mean, 50 years, that's twice as long as I've been a nurse. I'm celebrating (laughs) 25 um, right now. So when you think about trauma and nurses, not nurses doing trauma care on patients, but nurses own trauma, what comes up for you? Like, What's the core of what you're trying to get at when you're saying you can be trauma-free? Well, what we're looking at is how the system traumatizes nurses. Mm -hmm. And what we're hearing in the media now is that nurses are burned out and exhausted, and so many of them are leaving the profession. Um, I read an article where one nurse said she didn't feel angry. She wasn't upset. She just didn't feel anything. She was totally numb. And so we know that when you get to that point of numbness, that you are severely traumatized. And so what I'm what I'm looking at is how can we help nurses recover from their traumatization 
And so they need to have the information and the tools to help them with their own healing. But, you know, it doesn't help the whole system if we only focus on the nurses. We have to have approaches to help our patients also. And neither one of those are going to be um, effective unless we look at what can we do to change the system itself. And so we're focusing on all three of those areas. All three of those areas being, can you repeat those again? Being the traumatization of nurses and helping them heal, the traumatization of patients in this system and helping them heal, and then healing the system itself. Oh, boy. Um, (laughs) Oh, just a very small task. It will be done by 2022 for sure. yeah, so we're saying that healthcare and the, the, the experience of delivering healthcare can be traumatic. Um, there's moral dilemmas, ethical dilemmas, short staffing, everything. And then we also know you mentioned nurses, but I just have to throw in you know, before the pandemic, we were losing approximately an average of one doctor a day to suicide in the United States. And that's just the United States. And we don't yeah. have as good data on nurses, but we know it's there. We yeah. just don't. For some reason, that data hasn't been extrapolated. I'm not sure why. Well, actually, there's a nurse by the name of Judy Davidson at the University of California, San Diego, and Mm -hmm. she's done research on nurse suicides. And although my program is um, focused primarily on nurses, we do invite doctors to come and join the program also because we Mm -hmm. know how much they're hurting right now. Hmm. And social workers and chaplains and respiratory therapists. Think about it. Yes. Oh, yes, absolutely. First responders, EMTs and paramedics. I mean, look what people have been through. And, you know, of course, the pandemic is slowing in the United States as we speak and slowing, you know, significantly as we roll out more vaccinations. But the trauma is not necessarily just going to go away. I mean, it doesn't disappear. So, Hmm. You've mentioned something to me about the relationship between developmental trauma and exploitation. Yes. What do you mean by that relationship? Before I go into that, I'll just say that uh, no the trauma that people have from their wounds working in the system, it doesn't just go away because it can get stuck in the autonomic nervous system. And so you have to have the tools to be able to release that from your system. And it used to be called post-traumatic stress disorder, but it's not a disorder. They've been so much more research on it. And we know it's more of an injury in the autonomic nervous system, which also um, includes add injury in the amygdala. So there are a number of wonderful things that can be done to help people heal. Mm. Now, are we still, it's still being called PTSD though, right? In the literature. Some people are still calling it that. Some people are calling it post-traumatic stress injury. And then some people are just calling it post-traumatic stress. So, I like and, that. I like yeah. that change in nomenclature. Yeah. And I think we'd owe that to the military because the military, for their trauma, they don't like to be called having a disorder. Mm-hmm. So they wanted it to be called having an injury. And then now there are a lot of people who are starting to call it just plain post-traumatic stress. Thank you. Thanks for clarifying that. Yeah. And 
I'm glad you brought that in. And then around this notion of the relationship between developmental trauma and exploitation, where are you coming from with that? What does that mean? Well, what that means is that when we are born, everyone comes into this world with five basic human needs, and that's the need for connection, the need for someone to attune to them, to know what their needs are and to take care of them, to uh, be able to trust their caregivers, to know that the caregivers are there for them, to um, be respected and have autonomy so that Uh, what they have to contribute in life is honored for their individual um, perspective. And then the last uh, last need that we have is love sexuality, to be able to merge those two together so we can have healthy relationships. Now, when you don't have those needs met, say the person uh, is born and they're in the neonatal ICU and uh, they don't get their holding that they should have, the world doesn't feel safe, or the person is born and there's a lot of chaos going on in the family. Maybe the mother might be distracted because the father's overseas or worried about COVID. There's a lot of lot of reasons. It's not always abuse. Right. It's life's events can happen. Well, what happens is that no baby ever feels that they're in a bad situation. What they'll do is they'll feel that they're bad. There must be something wrong with me. That's why my needs aren't being taken care of. Mm. And then that leads to shame, which happens organically because the needs aren't being met. But that shame is too much to live with. That's too hard to live with. So what we do is we create adaptive behaviors to deal with our shame. Like the person who doesn't have the amount of connection that they need, that person may be extremely independent. I don't need anybody. I can handle everything on my own. But that's their way of getting through life. Or they could become extremely intellectual or extremely spiritual. And those are ways of seeking out and getting connection, which is a healthy thing. Um, For those of us who are nurses, and most so many of us nurses have the second one, as far as lack of attunement. I know myself, I'm second oldest of nine children. My mother, uh, my sister was not quite a year and a half when I was born. My brother was born when I was not even a year old, or just a year mm, old. So you're like Irish twins. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> my poor mother was so busy. Oh, dear. So, So my adaptation for not being able to be attuned to was, I don't have needs. I'm just here for you. Mm. If I can take care of you, then I'll feel fulfilled. And that's a way of getting connection. And so many of us nurses have that same adaptation. You know, if I can just take care of you, everything will be fine. But the thing of it- Have you been reading my mail, Kathy? (laughs) Right. Exactly. Well, it's funny because when I was sitting there in class, the whole class, when they came to this subject about attunement, everybody groaned like, oh, no, that's me. So, you know, we can't be judgmental for ourselves. This is just human nature. This is just our response. But what happens 
I'll just stay on the attunement one because that's the one I specialized in. <laughs> what happens is that we set ourselves up to exploit ourselves by doing too much. And then when we do that, people around us can see, oh, I can always count on this person. I can always count on that oh, person. Yes. And so then they start exploiting us and we can get very angry at them, at the other. But really, we're the ones that are doing it to ourselves. Interesting. And so this is could be the connection to, of, say, a nurse with that type of history who might have a series of um, entering abusive marriages where she is exploited or taken advantage of or otherwise, you know, she's the caregiver, she's the giver and, you know, right. et yeah. cetera. Right? Yeah. I see. Absolutely. I see. So you've developed a program specifically for nurses and for the healthcare milieu in general. Yes. Right. Yes. Yes. That is a program that can be taken by individuals, but it's what I'm gathering from, you know, some of our conversations prior that this could also go to like a very larger organizational level and address That's- it. Yes. Collectively, right? Right. We have um, proposals to take it into hospitals or clinics if they'd like to have it for their staff. And Mm -hmm. my dream also is to develop programs for other other, uh, populations, for teenagers, for, um, you know, churches, for just, this could be applied to a lot of other populations. Hmm. So this could, of course, we're talking about nurses and other people in healthcare yes. who yes. are in these extremely high stress situations, pandemic or not, right? right. Because right. you were thinking about this stuff and studying this stuff long before COVID-19 was on the map. Right. Right? Yes. Where, before we take a break, I just want to ask you, I know you've done, um, you've worked you know, in Rosalind Briere's three-year energy medicine training, you've you've been with the Foundation for Shamanic Studies, as I mentioned, somatic experiencing, which I've heard some about, neuroeffective touch, neuroeffective relational model. You've done all this, like what some people would think is esoteric stuff. It's just stuff that's not in the mainstream right now. However, something led you to embark on this path which looks like quite a few years ago that this kind of caught your eye and you were like, huh, something's going on here. So was there a crystallizing moment in your life or your career where the light bulb went off or was it a kind of a slow unfolding of your interest in this area? Well, when I was uh, working, I uh, had a private practice doing healing touch. I noticed mm-hmm. I had a lot of patients that came to me, a lot of clients that came to me with trauma, with severe trauma, and how I was very comfortable (laughs) working with them. And I thought, oh, that's interesting. And then uh, around that same time, my own traumas started to emerge. And that's when in 2000, I heard about Peter Levine's work with somatic experiencing, working with severe trauma. So I thought, you know, I need to do my own healing as a nurse, you cannot take people to a place of healing that you have not achieved yourself. 
And I spent a lot of time doing psychiatric nursing and working with chemical dependency. So I knew how important that was to have your own healing um, done. So I started working, doing, working with uh, in Peter's program, somatic experiencing. One thing led to another. One class led to another. I just got deeper and deeper into it. I and see. I thought the classes that I took were for psychotherapists. And I thought, you know, nurses don't have the honor, the privilege of having a nice, beautiful office, a whole hour to spend with patients who've been traumatized in the past. Mm -hmm. We don't have time and our patients are traumatized now. So that's when I decided, no, we've got to create something for nurses who are in a situation where there's active traumatization going on. I see. Thank you. That's that really paints more of a, a holistic picture of where you're coming from. And you mentioned Healing Touch. That was founded by, I believe it was a nurse named Dolores Krieger. Well, actually, Dolores Krieger founded Therapeutic Touch Therapeutic in the 1970s. Touch. She was right. at New York University and she founded Therapeutic Touch. It was very, very out of the box. It was. People called her students Krieger's crazies. Mm -hmm. But then um, Janet Menken studied with Dolores Krieger and Janet Menken studied with a lot of other energy healers. And so she developed Healing Touch, which is a, uh, a, comp a compilation of lots of different energy techniques. I see. So that's the difference. Therapy Touch is one technique. It's marvelous. It's a wonderful program. It is. Healing Touch is many techniques. I see. Right. I first heard about Therapeutic Touch before I was a nurse when I was studying polarity and Reiki oh, and wow. all those things. Yeah. And many nurses who I know are have a lot of interest in energy work because based on what some of them have told me in the holistic realms and just people I've met along the way that they feel like they can practice that in bedside care without needing an hour. Like they can That's do right. it while they're with a patient checking right. a blood pressure or doing something. So there's plenty right. of things many nurses out there are incorporating into their practice to help their patients. And the good news is that there's a lot of research now. We didn't have research in the early days, no. but now there's a lot of research and there's instrumentation that can measure the energy field, whether it's the biofield around the body or mm -hmm. the geomagnetic field around the earth. Mm -hmm. So this is not woo-woo anymore. That's very true. We've got a lot of stuff coming to bear with real science and data that yeah. can back up some of these things that a lot of us have kind of known intuitively for years, but that have needed that scientific um, um, backing for people yes. to really buy it. And I understand why. Of I get course. that. I of understand course. why people can be dubious about such things. Sure. When we come back from the break, what I would really like to do now that we've kind of set up this conversation around trauma, where it comes from, how it leads to exploitation, you know, all the stuff that you've been studying for so long and dedicated so much of your life and your career to, I want to come back and talk about solutions because it's yeah. great to talk about how nurses are traumatized and all the 
you know, right. all the things going on. But then we have to get to what are we actually going to do about it? And what are right. you doing about it? So we're going to come back and we're going to talk about how the body moves from fight, flight, freeze, back to flow. And we're going to talk about your entire concept and what you're actually doing with this um, entity you now call trauma-free nursing. Does that sound like a good plan? That sounds great. Okay. So please hang in there. We will be right back after a short break with the second half of the Nurse Keith Show, episode 328 with Kathy Allen. So now we're going to take a pause for the cause for just a moment. Please consider becoming a patron of The Nurse Keith Show, just like other awesome listeners who value the show so much that they want to give just a little bit each month to support the work we're doing here. When you pledge, you not only get the satisfaction of helping produce and support The Nurse Keith Show, you also get some pretty cool premiums and gifts from yours truly. Just head over to patreon.com forward slash Nurse Keith to read all about it. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com forward slash Nurse Keith. And if you know someone who could benefit from career coaching with me, please consider referring them. And if they become a paying client, you'll receive credit for an hour of coaching with me. And there's no expiration date on that credit, so you can keep it in your back pocket until you need it most. And remember that you can refer as many people as you like and continue to earn those coaching credits. What an incredible deal. And please head over to nursekeith.com and sign up for my newsletter, which comes out regularly and brings you supportive messages, updates from my blog and my podcast, resources, and all sorts of other stuff. Remember, nursekeith.com, sign up for that newsletter, and you'll also get a free download from me as my gift to you. Anyway, those are my sincere asks today. So now, Let's dig back into today's topic without further ado. And welcome back to the second half of the episode. Remember, the show notes will be located at nursekeith.com forward slash the word episode and the number 328. We're here again with friend of the pod, Kathy Allen. And Kathy, prior to the break, we were talking about trauma and damage to the amygdala and how all this type of developmental trauma can lead to a life of, let's say, being exploited, being taken advantage of, always being of service to others and not being of service to the self. And then all the stuff that nurses and other healthcare providers suffer basically at the hands of the system because of the way the system works or, well, doesn't work also. So we know that, you know, Suicide, trauma, depression, anxiety, you know, we can go on and on. Post-traumatic stress or post-traumatic stress injury as we're changing the nomenclature. We all know that's real. So that's just, that's our ground we're working from. So Kathy, based on everything you know and all the science and everything you've witnessed and all the studies that you've done, you've developed this program called trauma-free nursing. And it can be brought to individuals. It can be brought to collectives within large healthcare organizations or small organizations. You've got a system. You've got something to bring to people. So let's begin with the 12 steps of healing care. This sounds like from our conversations prior, this is a core key concept to 
everything you do. So what are these 12 steps and how would you describe what they are and why they're important? Well, we developed the 12 steps of healing care because we knew that it's not enough to help nurses heal from their trauma. It's not enough to provide um, safe care for our patients because those two things will not last unless the system itself is healed. Now, how do you heal a system? We're so lucky to live today in today's world because so many people are looking for ways to heal the system. This is not new that the system is broken. So there are other people who are working hard to try to change the system. Uh, there is some, so a group called the National Nurses United, which is a union, and they're fighting for safe care and for, uh, and for their patients. Now, some, and there are a lot of nurses who are leaving the profession or who are leaving hospital and clinic work and setting up mm-hmm. their own practices, uh, being coaches, doing lots of other things. But I, we're looking at those nurses who are, want to remain in the hospital and they're not really looking to set up their own private business. How do we help them? How can they um, practice in a way that's fulfilling, in a way that's safe? And that's where the 12 steps of healing care come in. Now, the 12 steps, it sounds like, oh my gosh, is this like 12 steps of AA. No, it's not. It's totally different. The very first step is that we acknowledge that we work in a field of trauma and that it affects ourselves, our patients, and their families. And then we go on from there where we we open ourselves to the healing power of the universe to show us what to do, uh, to help us open ourselves in such a way that that power can work through us for the healing of the patient that it has entrusted to our care. So these 12 steps are, are very effective when you think about the actual 12 steps of AA and how it healed family systems. But we can heal the healthcare system using the same 12 steps. So, and it's a gentle way. One of the things I like about the 12 steps of healing care is doesn't, it doesn't demand that we're angry or that we blame others. We take mm-hmm. responsibility for ourselves. We strengthen our boundaries on what's acceptable and what isn't acceptable as we work. And... Um, and we ask for spiritual guidance. And one of the things that we're very lucky, and people don't talk about this very much, is the spiritual underpinnings of healthcare. Where else can you work where everyone is praying that you're doing a good job? Hmm. The mm-hmm. patients are praying, their families are praying. We're praying when we go to work that we can do a good job for our patients. So why not? become more conscious of that, make that more real for us, more alive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, because this has, there's a spiritual basis to some of the work we do here, I'm assuming that someone who takes part in the trauma-free nursing trainings doesn't need to be a religious person. Ab- they don't necessarily need to pray or meditate or right. anything like that. Right. right, absolutely. This is for anybody and 
and everyone has their own practice and their own beliefs. And mm-hmm. so these 12 steps are set up in a way that acknowledges that and, uh, and doesn't make anybody um, go against what they believe. This is not a religious kind of program. It's right. spiritual. Right. If people and, don't want the word spiritual, it's consciousness, bringing yeah. consciousness of the universe to support what we're doing. Right. And it's heart-centered. Absolutely. Yeah. Which many nurses can relate yeah. to. Yeah. Yeah. And on your website, it says trauma-free nursing training addresses the impact that healthcare-acquired trauma has on nurses and on their patients. It offers an embodied approach to understanding the neurophysiology of trauma, how to prevent it, and how to treat it in the healthcare setting. This training is designed to enrich the individual nurse and transform the way that nursing is practiced. And then it says that physicians and other healthcare professionals are also welcome and can benefit. Yes. And the training program has four levels. Levels one, two, three, and four. Level one is called the body selectric, how the body moves from fight, flight, and freeze back to flow. And I open the show asking the question, how can nurses who are traumatized move from fight, flight, and freeze back to flow? So what is this experiential understanding of the nervous system and how the neurophysiology of trauma can actually get tweaked and reversed? Right, right. You know, there's an old joke, two nurses meet. They look at each other and the one nurse says, well, you're fine. How am I? <laughs> and that is so true <laughs> because we're yeah. so good at assessing everybody else and we're not so good at assessing where we're at. And as far as the nervous system goes, we know the things to look for to assess someone, our patient's nervous system. But with trauma-free nursing, what we're doing is we're giving you an experience of your parasympathetic of your autonomic nervous system and experience of that and showing you how to, um, how to be in touch with the sensations of the parasympathetic, not just the general, gee, I feel relaxed, but no, where, where do you feel that in your body? Mm-hmm. What's the sensation? Where is it? How big is it? Does it have a color? Does it move? And then we do the same thing with the sympathetic activation, not traumatic sympathetic activation. Sympathetic has to do with fight flight or Mm -hmm. let's get moving. Let's do something. So we have a gentle experience of the sympathetic. And then we have an experience where we do put both of them together so that people can become really astute at deciding where am I on this continuum so that from, when from I, sympathetic activation from, to parasympathetic, well, from parasympathetic to start out at parasympathetic, then go to um, start out with parasympathetic, go to sympathetic, so you can see where you are in that continuum, and then where you can intervene earlier. And to notice those, we show people help people to notice those parts of themselves that are numb that are that carry a lot of activation and then show them how to be able to release that activation but first you've got to understand the the nervous system and uh, how our program is different is we add a lot of humor hmm. learning is state dependent and if you're too serious you know you'll remember in the moment but then you forget it later so we add a mm-hmm. lot of humor to our program 
that's great. And, you know, on your website here, it talks about creating a felt sense of experience of safety inside yourself. Yes. And also learning to feel what does that sympathetic adrenal activation feel like? Like you said, you have yes. a gentle way of helping people identify that. Like people sometimes talk about in certain circles, like I had an amygdala hijacking, like my amygdala just went totally crazy. And I just, I was so upset. I couldn't control that sympathetic reaction. And that can be the fight, right? That's when Absolutely. we're ready to fight. Right, 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 right. So you're helping people learn that, what you call the felt sense. So they, they can right. identify like, oh, I see what's happening in my body right now, right? Yes. Well, what we do is we focus more on the felt sense in the first class than in the second class when we talk about healthcare acquired trauma. And uh, we, we don't talk about all of the things that happen in healthcare because it would just be a gripe session. But we talk about a little bit about what happens, how do patients brace before they come to the hospital? Nurses brace before they come to the hospital. And bracing mm -hmm. is something that you do when you're activated, when you're sympathetic, there's sympathetic arousal. So we give people tools then to... Um, prevent trauma and to heal the trauma. And I've invited people outside of my field to come in and talk about some of the things that they do that really work. And one of them is havening. Now, havening is making the body a safe haven. So I'm a havening instructor is going to come and talk about how they work with the amygdala specifically with the amygdala because trauma gets encoded on the amygdala. So that when you remember the event, you have that whole cascade of your physiological response to that event. Oh, yes. Yes. And so when you work with the amygdala in, in the havening way, it dissolves the encoding on the amygdala, the trauma encoding, so that people will remember the event, but it doesn't upset them anymore because the trauma has been dissolved and is no longer on the amygdala. Fascinating. Yeah. You know, this is very interesting because back a number of episodes, I interviewed Andrew Penn, who's a clinical nurse specialist and psychiatric nurse practitioner out at UCSF. And he's involved in research on trauma and he's working on phase two and phase three trials of using psilocybin and MDMA ecstasy for the release of trauma. Yeah. And a psychedelic assisted psychotherapy. And the way he described what they're now seeing in their research of the way that psychedelic assisted psychotherapy can also redirect trauma so that when a person revisits the trauma, they no longer react to it the way they habitually have. It it's an in another just another way yeah. of re-encoding, like you said, the amygdala and that trauma response. So I just what I love about this time in history right now is we have people like Andrew and the work he's doing, and that's going to be approved mm -hmm. by the FDA in a couple of years. And the work you're doing with this more experiential work where you're bringing this to the healthcare system on a larger level. It's not psychotherapy with one person. Right. This is like systemic change as well. Right. I love that. So what, what we intend to do is to give nurses the tools 
mm-hmm. such as havening that they mm-hmm. can use on themselves. But also, what about discharge planning? What about doing those on the patients be- mm-hmm. before they leave or um, home care after they leave? Mm-hmm. So we want to be able to provide those kind of tools. Another thing we're going to, another um, modality we're going to be introducing is neuroaffective touch. What is that? That's with Dr. Aileen LaPierre. And Mm -hmm. her research shows that our issues are in our tissues. And sometimes our traumas happen pre-verbal. And so there is a way of touching our tissues to help release the trauma. And she has a fantastic program to teach that. So she's going to be presenting some information from her program. So hopefully we can leave nurses with a lot of tools for themselves and for their patients Mm -hmm. and then for the system itself. Right. And you're demonstrating now in this conversation that, yes, there's a spiritual element to some of these um, practices that you're introducing, but there's a lot of science underpinning all of this, like we mentioned yeah. earlier. And it sounds like level one and level two really go deep into the, the science behind all this. And then right. level three, which is called healing our presence, focuses on how adaptation to early childhood wounding affects the nurse's ability to be a healing presence for themselves and others, like we mentioned in the first half a little yes. bit. And that there's going to be the nurses and the participants are going to walk away with actual strategies like you've mentioned. Yes, yes. And level four sounds like this is, from what I'm reading here, it's sort of like from my perspective, and I haven't experienced it, of course, yet, Uh but it's kind Uh of like where the rubber hits the road because it's two days. You have the first part is called stepping up our game, the 12 steps of healing care. So what is the fourth step of the four steps? What is this really about? And what's what's the core of it? Of uh, stepping up our care? That's yeah. the 12, the, you mean the 12 steps of healing care? Mm-hmm. Well, that is actually putting into practice when you're at work, safe care. And not feeling like you have to do it on your own because mm. you don't have to do it on your own. You, you can call you call in <laughs> the healing. Yeah, right. Really? <laughs> you, know, you call in the healing power of the universe mm-hmm. to help you, mm-hmm. and um, and know that you are you're always supported. So you're, what you're saying is that, like it says here on your website, in level four, day one, stepping up our game you discuss the spiritual underpinnings of nursing practice and how to bring these practices in so that the care becomes safer. And I would assume if you're bringing this stuff through yourself to your patients, then it's having a very direct effect on you too, right? It, it does, absolutely. It takes a lot of the stress and the anxiety out when you are actually working the 12 steps of healing care, knowing that Uh, Each time you um, do that, each time you allow for the healing power of the universe to work through you, it strengthens your ability to do that. Now, along with the 12 steps of healing care, we have something called detachment. How can we do the 12 steps if we don't detach from the system and detach from doing things in the old way? 
So we show nurses how to do that, how to detach in a healthy way where we're not, um, where we're not creating an us versus them mentality, but rather um, honoring ourselves and honoring our patients. Lovely. And yeah. after all, we are the answer to our patients' prayers. We are. We Certainly are. we are. Right. And, you know, day two, after you've stepped up your game, day two is called looking in and speaking out. And it says it uses body-centered communication to distill, focus, remember, and amplify what it means to be a person working as a nurse. What does that really mean? What, what are you after there? Well, what I'm after is that so many of us look at ourselves as a nurse and identify or present ourselves in the world based on our, our um, titles, degrees, uh, mm-hmm. that kind of thing, certifications, all of that. And right. we lose track of uh, the authenticity of ourselves. And so with this particular class, it's to remind ourselves what it feels like to be alive every mm. part of us to feel alive and to feel joy and then to um, be able to go out into the world presenting who you are in a more authentic way. And what I mean by that is that nurses, so many have lost their voice and they, they have their voice to sit around with other nurses and complain about this and that, and then also to sit around with other nurses and have good ideas about this and that. Mm -hmm. But nurses don't really talk about their situation to the general public. So it's it's not that 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 we want them to, we don't want them to be complaining, but to be offering insights on what it feels like to work with a trauma-free um, experience and mm. to write about that and to talk about that and to give hope to other nurses and hope to the patients. Mm. And I would think that a healthcare organization who, of course, are very interested in outcomes, they are likely, hopefully, interested in not having high levels of nurse and staff attrition. And they would like their staff not to get sick and be traumatized and, you know, have all sorts of these negative outcomes. And they want to see their patient satisfaction scores go up. You know, there's so many measures, you know, there's people, there's profits, there's the planet, there's all the different, what we would call the... um, the bottom lines that we can assess. So a healthcare organization could look at your program and go, hmm, I wonder, I wonder how this could really help us in the bigger picture, help our people, help our patients, and then improve outcomes and make more money and save money and have better care. It, it would seem like a no-brainer to someone who was really thinking clearly about what a program like this could do. Well, it would seem like a no-brainer, wouldn't it? It would <laughs> but, to me, yes. But it's been years in coming. I mean, mm-hmm. nurses have been upset for many years for the mm-hmm. being so devalued and for um, being so overworked. And hospitals have known about this for years. But what we have in today's world is so many nurses are quitting that hospitals are now throwing large amounts of money 
at nurses to get them to stay Mm -hmm. as if money was the problem. Money Mm -hmm. isn't the problem, is it? Money is not the problem. I mean, nurses deserve to and like to be paid well, which is great. Of course, of course. But if they're going to be paid well to be cannon fodder, that doesn't necessarily work, does it? Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And you're... What I see here is that you're telling nurses, well, I'm I'm putting words in your mouth here, but yeah, yeah. what I'm getting from it is you're not cannon fodder, that you're you're a real live authentic person with a real live physical embodied and spiritual and emotional experience. And you're dedicated to service and you can actually, you should be able to, and you deserve to practice well practice safely and not be traumatized by your work, right? That's absolutely right. And you know, there's something that happens when you're traumatized Mm -hmm. is that it transforms you. It makes you more narrow. It um, shuts down parts of you. But uh, Dr. Stephen Porges wrote a, a book called The Transformative Power of Feeling Safe. What if we all went to work feeling very safe can you imagine the creativity that would come out of that? Then yes. the, the um, kind of care that we would be giving, the kind of healing that would take place mm-hmm. where our patients would leave and they would have the tools for true healing, not mm-hmm. just uh, you know a brief interlude, uh, take a pill and come back or whatever, whatever. Mm-hmm. But, and the staff members uh, would go home feeling Absolutely. About what they did Absolutely. Too, right? Yes. Wouldn't that it would be nice? trans- Yes, it would transform the staff. <laughs> okay. So before we go away and say goodbye, which I don't want to do, but we'll have you back sometime. What is share a hope you have for your program and something that could tra- something that could transpire and even just for one nurse out there. What's something someone could take away and that you hold that hope really deeply in your heart? That that nurse would have hope and would know that she was supported. Mm. That that nurse would have the tools to recognize her own traumatization and to know that it's a temporary situation, that it can be healed. And that... um, and that she doesn't have to leave, or she or he don't have to leave nursing in order to experience the joy, the total absolute joy of caregiving that you don't get anywhere else. There's nothing like it when you're helping somebody to heal. Hmm. When you're that person who says that one word they needed to hear or whose expertise contributed to saving that life. Mm-hmm. It's not like selling shoe stings at the dime store. That's for sure. (laughs) Yeah. Well said. That's a beautiful vision. And it could happen one nurse and one patient and one doctor and one social worker at a time, right? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks for putting this program together. And I'm really hoping that helping to put it out there in the world might amplify it just a tiny bit here on the show. And I'm We'll have you back in the future and we'll we'll go a little deeper. But we had to we had to really just lay this all out for the listeners so they can kind of get a sense of what your work is and all this amazing all this amazing 
intervention and um, just deep work that you've been doing and bringing to the world. So I really appreciate it. And you're a, you're, um, you're a real treasure. Thank you, Keith. That was very nice of you. Yeah. And, and I'm so <laughs> glad you live right here in Santa Fe. It's a lovely thing. We're very yeah. lucky, aren't we? <laughs> well, thank you so much, Kathy. Well, there you have it. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Nurse Keith Show. And remember, the show notes where you can learn all about Kathy Allen and trauma-free nursing will be at nursekeith.com forward slash episode 328. I hope you feel uplifted and empowered from this episode. And I hope you'll take inspired action every day in the interest of your personal and professional satisfaction, your personal and professional development, as well as your healing and wellness. And if you need personalized holistic career coaching to elevate your nursing career, you can look no further than nursekeith.com and you get a 10% discount off your first coaching package if you mention the show in your initial email. And if you remember to mention Kathy Allen and trauma-free nursing, you get 15% off. And again, please consider becoming a patron over at patreon.com forward slash nurse Keith and pledging $2 per month for a year. I would just love you for that. The Nurse Keith Show is a proud member of the Health Podcast Network, one of the largest and fastest growing collections of authoritative, high quality podcasts about healthcare, nursing, and medicine. And you can check them out at healthpodcastnetwork.com. The Nurse Keith Show is adroitly produced by Rob Johnston of 520R Podcasting. Gosh, he puts up with so much. And Mark Cappiespeason is our stalwart social media ringmaster. And Mark just does so much. I'm grateful to both Rob and Mark for keeping the wheels turning in the right direction. Otherwise, who knows where I would end up. Be well, dig deep, seek joy, keep in touch. This is Nurse Keith saying adios till next time from beautiful Santa Fe, New Mexico. And friend of the pod and my new friend, Kathy Allen, saying see you later from... Santa Fe, New Mexico. Beautiful Santa Fe, New Mexico. (laughs) All right, Kathy, thank you so much again. You're so wonderful. And we will catch everybody on the flip side.